Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. You guys are in for a very special treat today because I have an amazing guest that is going to blow your mind. Dr. Michelle Gordon, otherwise known as Dr. G, is a surgeon and menopause expert and founder of the menopause movement. So Dr. G, welcome to the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. So guys, whether you are in menopause, approaching menopause, live with somebody that will be going through menopause at some point in your life, I think you're going to learn a ton of great information and and we're so glad you're going to be listening. So Dr. G, first and foremost, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are. Yeah. So uh, I'm a surgeon and I, I, retired from surgery to do the menopause movement back in July of 2020. And it's been, it's been really great. I, I realized that this was my calling when, when actually not shortly after menopause hit for me. Um, I also founded the menopause movement podcast, and I hope that you'll come and be a guest on my podcast too. And uh, we we're about two years into it with 110 episodes. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I have to tell you, Dr. G more times than not, I will have women that come into my office and they will tell me they will, they will sit in my office and they'll just shoot me straight. They'll be like, I have never had a stomach before. Get rid of it. (laughs) I got the middle belly. (laughs) Yes. I'm jumping right in. We're not even like waiting here. I'm going right for it. Yeah, that's fine. No, that's fine. So, so it's, it's, well, you know, the menopause movement has surveyed over 50,000 women in menopause and about 48% of women in menopause, their biggest complaint is the menopause weight. And so that's why, you know, we have our mental belly challenge that you can join for a low fee and we show you how to work on that mental belly one habit at a time. And when it comes to making any changes, especially in menopause, we have to be careful to to not expect that we can do everything all at once. Right. And so that's, that's why we, we do it that way. So what happens though, hormonally in, in menopause, we lose three hormones. There's three of them that are big. The first is estrogen. Okay. And estrogen made by the ovaries has to do with our menstrual cycle. I mean, this is, this is what happens in puberty, right? Our ovaries start making more and then we start to get periods, all right? And when we, when we stop making as much, our adrenals try to kick in, okay? The adrenals try to kick in, but they can't keep up. They can't keep up because, you know, it's, it's supposed to be the ovaries. And depending on what we're eating, we may not have the right building blocks, And so what happens is that our abdominal fat increases because there's estrogen there. And so just naturally our body is trying to hold on to estrogen. And so when you start to see the minnow belly come, it means your body's trying to protect you. So there's a way to kind of reframe it. 
Uh, and then the other hormone is progesterone, which is really important in pregnancy and in menst the menstrual cycle. But the third one that is really important is the loss of testosterone. And what happens as we lose testosterone, which a lot of women are like, oh, I didn't know testosterone was a thing for women, but it is, it's a big thing. And as we start to lose testosterone, we can also get the mineral belly. And so those are, those are the big three that are involved. So I think the question that, you know, that I have and many of my clients have is how does nutrition impact our hormones? Well, wow. <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so when it comes to nutrition, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways that we can impact our hormones. There's a lot of, you know, hormone disrupting kinds of things. Now, the first thing I want to say is it's not possible to balance your hormones. So if someone's telling you that, that you need to balance your hormones or that you're estrogen dominant or anything like that, estrogen dominance and those sorts of things are only appropriate when, uh, when talking about maybe a cancer other than that, and, and breast cancer specifically. And so other than that, I want to say that, that there is no such thing as balancing your hormones in menopause. You're supposed to lose your hormones and it's a natural process, the privilege of a long life. So we'll start right there. We're lucky that we made it to menopause because we didn't used to. All right. Now, when it comes to disrupting your hormones, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we don't have control over, like environmental factors and, you know, what's happening with our phones and blue light and things like that. But there's two things that we eat all the time that we can actually stop eating that are going to make us feel amazing. And the first one is seed oils. Uh, any manufactured oil, any oil that, that comes through a manufacturing process, um, solid oil, like, uh, I don't want to, how, how big is this podcast? I don't want to, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> you're good. You're um, good. We're okay. Still we're in the beginning yeah. stages of our second year. So all we're right, okay. great. So, um, so like a Crisco, mm -hmm. I would say, and, um, and then, then the, the, there's six others that's uh, corn, cottonseed and canola, three C's, three S's, soy, safflower and sunflower. All of these oils, they, they, they may be expeller pressed. They may say that they're organic. They may be all these things. But what happens is that through the manufacturing process, these are byproducts of other products, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, cotton seeds were sitting in the, in the field and they were getting rancid. They're like, oh, how can we monetize this? Let's turn it into oil. They're, they're odorless, they're tasteless, and they're cheap and they're bad for you and they'll mess up your hormones. And so anytime, anytime you eat out, eat, eat fried food out, like French fries anywhere, except for five guys that use peanut oil, which is a little bit better. Um, you're going to, you're going to be entering this, these, these hormone disruptive chemicals because the, and the reason why I, I harp on this so, so much is that hor uh, fats are the building blocks of a cholesterol and cholesterol, are the building blocks of hormones. And so if you're giving your body crappy stuff to start your, to, to build your hormones with, then you're going to have crappy hormones and you're going to feel worse. So if you cut out vegetable oils, we'll start, you know, just start with that and just use as a, as a general rule, I learned this from Dr. Kate Shanahan, nature doesn't make bad fats. So you mm -hmm. want to start, you know, with co coconut, olive, don't, don't use olive oil at high heat, uh, peanut oil, if you're going to fry something, but don't eat fried foods that much because you know, fried foods. Um, 
and um, uh, lard, beef, uh, beef tallow, it, those sorts of things. Nature doesn't make bad fats. So we can start with that. The second thing is sugar. Now, we were we evolved as humans eating sugar in season. We could find honey. We'd go get the honey and eat it, uh, fruit in season. And so our pancreas got a lot of rest. Now, I'm not necessarily an advocate for keto. Uh, I think, you know, I, or, or anything. I'm just an advocate for resting our pancreas. And so if you can take a few weeks off of sugar, and, and that's something we, we go into in depth in, the, in, in our program, the Minnow Mastery Academy, the, we, we, we take time to show you how to get off sugar and to actually understand the emotional side of it, right? Because until you understand like where your emotions are taking you, you're going to continue to kind of live under your, your programming. But those are the two things that if you do that now, you'll start to feel amazing. It'll affect your, it'll, it'll improve your sleep. It'll improve your, uh, your mood and it will actually help your waistline. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that leads into some of my other questions because yes, I went right in for the weight part of it because that's where, you know, that's more my field and what people are coming to me about. But I'm also noticing, you know, the the issues of sleep and mood disruption and, you know, the exhaustion and, or in some people even mentioned brain fog, they're having trouble remembering things or coming, you know, things that they've always known you know, is this a byproduct of the hormones fluctuating as well? And is there anything that we can do for that? Yeah. Well, so it's really, it's really hard because (laughs) up until recently, all studies for everything were done on men. Mm -hmm. And even, even to the point where they were like, Oh, let's, let's study the, the effects estrogen has on the heart and let's enroll 1500 men. (laughs) Um, And, and, and that, thought that was strange. <laughs> and that actually happened. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, I, I talk about this a lot on my podcast, but I talk a lot about the patriarchy and, and not in a negative sense. I love men. Men are awesome. Uh, but because of written language, uh, we're, we're moving into an era, I think, where we're, we're going to start to embrace the feminine more. But, but because of what happened with written language, there's this really great book called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. If you really want to understand where, uh, misogyny really comes from and where the, we lost, uh, our role as, as leaders. And it comes from when we started written language, we started using more of the left brain. And when we use more of the left brain, we just go, you know, masculine, 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 masculine. And all the goddesses actually got murdered by the gods. It's just a really fascinating read. And so, um, long story short, (laughs) I got to get back to your question, which is what can we do about brain fog? And what I've found works best for brain fog is number one, cleaning up the diet. So those two things I talked about, and then the way to get more sleep. So, so what happens to a lot of women in menopause is that we start to get these, these weird, like we'll wake up in sweats and then we'll have these racing thoughts and we won't be able to get back to sleep and then we can't sleep. And so then we have brain fog and, and it's this the vicious cycle. So there's a couple of things. Number one is, is start to move your body a little bit more because then when you lay down, you're going to sleep better. And I'm not saying go out and run five miles. I'm saying just move your body. Like, let's say you walk, you start with a five minute walk, right? And then the next week you just want to do 1% more. So I don't, and 1% improvements don't feel like anything. So you might, that's, you know, 
that's like two seconds more in your walk if it's 1%, right? But when you, when you improve things over 1% week over week over week, you're going to have 150% improvement over a year. And so it's really important to not try to change everything all at once because when you, it, it's really hard to stay motivated when you start to see the failures. So it's better to really just focus in on one little thing and then just try to improve that a little bit over, over time. And I think the best example of that is John Wooden, who was the UCLA basketball coach, the winningest mm -hmm. coach ever. And he talked about how over the course of a season, you would see a 1% improvement maybe on the high jump, a 1% improvement in the ability to run back up and down the court, a 1% improvement of uh, maybe the dribbling or using the opposite hand. And over the course of the, the season, those things would add up. So every week they had something to work on and they would add up. And then all of a sudden it looked like a, an overnight success, right? So if you want overnight success, it's consistent action coupled with a small goal. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we hear that frequently, you know, right. It's like layering small changes to, to reach the goal, but yet it's so counterintuitive to yeah. our culture and the diet industry. Like everything is you need to do all the things now or you fail. <laughs> right. And we're trying to, no, 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 no. Like back up. Let's just get some momentum under our belts and get some wins so we can feel confident um, so that we want to continue because, you know, it's just this all or nothing that I think we battle all the time and, and yeah. I struggle with it too. So I get it. Yeah. So I, I want to say that, you know, if you're listening to this and, and you're feeling like a failure, I, I just want to give you an op opportunity to really reframe what failure means. And I had to do this because I'm a surgeon and that's a high stakes. And if you make a mistake in surgery, people, you know, have really bad consequences or they die. And as I, as I moved out, transitioned out of that and into this business, I started to look at failure in a different way. And it's really helped me a lot to stay motivated with my workouts. I'm a triathlete and I, I wasn't even running, you know, five years ago. And now I run, I'm getting ready for the Falmouth road race, which is a seven mile run in Falmouth. Um, on August 15th uh, this year. And, and the, way, the way to keep going, just remember that success gives you motivation. So when you start something and you feel like you've gotten going a little bit, that's going to keep you going. It isn't, it, it, that's motivation. It isn't like, oh, I have to get my ass off the couch and then I have to, you know, throw out everything in my in my cupboard. And then I have to like, you know, only eat kale for the rest of my life. I mean, who wants that? That's not right. You know, every once in a while, you're going to fall off the wagon. Every once in a while, you're going to not want to log your meals. Every once in a while, you're going to want to lay on the couch and eat bonbons. And, and that's okay. The main thing is to look at that, you know, find the lesson. There's a, always a lesson every time you think you failed. And I think, you know, so much of what I try to teach my clients too is, is assess, don't judge. <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, definitely. how can you look at it from that objective third point of view as if it's not you, it's somebody else. And you're just making, you know, observations, you know, it just puts it into a complete different light and it takes that pressure off, which unfortunately we put on so much pressure on ourselves to, to do everything right. So I love that you, I love that you made that notation. 
So what would you say, you know, besides, is there any other thing that we're missing here? So you said like the belly fat, the disruption in sleep, the brain fog. Is there any other things that um, we need to be conscientious of? Or is there anything that we can do? You know what? I'm going to rephrase this question because I like this one better. Okay. If we have not reached menopause yet, mm-hmm. are there things that we can do to make that transition easier? Well, I think that the the biggest thing is living in in a Western culture and eating the standard American diet. That is really, I think, the thing that has caused the most disruption. And if you look back to 70s, maybe 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, when when we were eating eggs and bacon and a lot of, you know, like natural fats and, you know, before Crisco and, and all of these manufactured uh, things. And, and, you know, industry is there to kind of make our lives easier. And I remember, you know, I'm 56 years old. And I remember when uh, the Swanson hungry man dinners came out and we were always so excited because it was such a treat every time we ate a, you know, a, a convenience meal because my mom did all the cooking and now it's, you know, it, it, if, if you're cooking at home, it's a novelty. So there's the, the number one thing that has, has to do with like everything. It's not just, it's not just menopause and getting ready for menopause. It's what you put in your mouth is like the, it's, it is the building blocks of, of your, of this body that we're in. And so it's really important that we realize that the number one, we, we can choose what we put in our mouths. Uh, even though sometimes it feels like we can't mm-hmm. and, um, and that, that we are going to, you know, the body's going to take the best stuff out of whatever we eat in our, whatever we put in our mouths and turn it into the best it can. But if we don't give our body good fuel, then we're going to not have good results. And so I think, I think that's the number one thing. And, and, you know, when you think about menopause in China, there was never even a Chinese word for menopause until recently because of manufactured stuff. Really? I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's really about creating that healthy foundation and and no matter what the age is. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 well, I was going to say that, you know, if, if, if you're somebody who's eating a lot of, you know, manufactured foods and, and, you know, I'm not telling you that you have to stop everything right now because making a big change like that could be really problematic, but you could start by, you know, replacing one thing and then maybe taking a cooking class. I mean, there's just, there's ways to, to approach it slowly. I mean, when I first understand, when I first really, as a doctor, you know, we get maybe five minutes of nutrition. If that, we don't get taught nutrition. And and Hippocrates, who is the the father of medicine, said, "Let food be thy medicine." And that is not taught in in medical school in America. So, for me, when menopause hit, and I realized that everything was like my life was just so disrupted, and I gained all this weight, and I couldn't sleep, and my thoughts were racing, and I couldn't remember the names of of body parts that I was dealing with or having to remove. And, and it was just, it was so hard for me. I just went back to basics and I said, okay, I got to understand nutrition. I got to understand, you know, physiology. I have to understand hormones. And I spent a lot of time. I'm a researcher. I I'm a scientist. I went back and I understood, applied it to me. And then I took it back and I said, okay, 
let me help you shorten the gap and make it easier for you. And so, you know, that's, that's where kind of the, the, the menopause movement was born. Oh, no, I love that. Um, so let's go on the, the flip side of that. So say you're, you've gone through menopause yeah, and you know, now you are coming out the other side. Are there any key nutrients that we should be focusing on or any parts of our nutrition besides that good, healthy foundation that our body needs? Well, the one thing I want to say is that menopause doesn't end. It just gets a little better. So I still get hot <laughs> flashes and I know women in their eighties who still get hot flashes. Okay. Uh, so it, and it really does have a lot to do with diet. Unfortunately, we still do not quite understand the pathophysiology of hot flashes. We don't understand the mechanism and we're coming. There's a, there's a, a new treatment that might work. It's a cytokine disruptor kind of thing. Uh, I think it's called AK3. I just was reading about it. This don't quote me because I'm just getting started with it. But so if you're, if you're a woman who's having a lot of hot flashes and your doctor provided, uh, pr prescribed you a antidepressant, it's not because they think that you are depressed, even though that might be your take home. The reason is, is that it disrupts that hot flash circuit and it works. All right. So and what happens is, is that doctors don't even know how to talk about menopause because we don't get any education in it. And they'll come, you know, women will come to the doctor and say, I'm just, I'm really uncomfortable. I'm having hot flashes. And then the doctor will prescribe a, a what's called a, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor or a, an antidepressant. And then she'll go leave thinking the doctor thinks she's crazy because he doesn't, he or she doesn't explain to her, to her why they're prescribing that. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, but I, I just want you to know that that's why. And, and it, it, talking to your doctor about menopause can be really hard. Are there any questions that you recommend asking your doctor specifically to make sure that you're getting the support you need? Well, it's, it's hard because the hormones are fluctuating and there's no reliable test, but what happens uh, some women really do have severe mental health issues in menopause and it can, it can really turn you into a, just someone you don't recognize. And if that's happening and you're not feeling heard by your doctor, go, go find another doctor. Um, I, I really, I really believe that there, there's, there's a lot of options when it comes to doctors, you know, when, when, when your doctor dies, you know, you have to get another one. And so while you may like your doctor a lot, if, if you don't feel like you're getting heard or getting the answers you need, there are other options out there. So that's one thing. The other thing is you could ask your doctor for a referral to an endocrinologist and that an endocrinologist is a hormone specialist. And so they may be able to help you, but again, they don't really do menopause. There, there are some people actually, um, is it okay if I talk about, there's, there's a podcast that I did with a guy. It's, sure. So, so there's a podcast that I did with Dr. John Carazzola and it's, I want to call, um, it's, it's something hormones and sexual rejuvenation. And he's a, he's a retired orthopedic surgeon and he now does hormones and, and he does them in his office in uh, the Orlando area. And if you want to hear about, you know, how, what, what the alternative options are, that's a great place to go to start. Okay. 
Well, speaking of alternative options, what are your thoughts on hormone replacement therapy? Well, I follow the North American Menopause Society hormone position, position statement on hormones. And basically, if you're going to take hormones, all right, you got to not have a contraindication. That means you shouldn't be smoking or shouldn't have a, a history of blood clots, first of all. And then the other thing is, is if, if, if you're going to take hormones, you got to start them early and five years max. Okay. And so it's important that you dial in your lifestyle factors that, that have to do with, you know, that, that are causing your menopause symptoms to be worse. And, and, and that can be your diet. That could be the way you exercise and it could be the way you think. So let's go into that a little bit more because I love mindset work and I love that you brought that up. So what are some of the common challenges that you see in terms of mindset work? So the first thing is the, the whole victim mentality around menopause that I have to suffer through it. It's miserable and it sucks. And it's only, I mean, yeah, you're going to have some symptoms. I I mean, you know, you would, that's just part, you know, it's, it's like an obstacle we have to go through, right? Symptoms are part of menopause, but do we have to give them the power to make our lives suck? Or can we, can we find a way to look at it differently and create an alternate reality around it that, that helps us to find gra- gratitude in the fact that we've lived this long and that we, we now are in the space where maybe our kids are gone or maybe our relationship is ended or maybe our, we got a new relationship or maybe our relationship is even better because we're alone now. There's just so many options and it's our time. This is our time to shine. And did you know that, that over 50% of new businesses are started by women who are in their 50s? So this is our time. And, and, and the only way we're going to make it good is to take a look at the way we're choosing to think. And that always feels like such a mind blowing kind of thing, but we, we don't have to think the way we've thought forever. And the thing that, that I say a lot to, to my audience is if something happened to you when you were a child, okay, now, now I, I could talk about this because I have a really, and I don't tell you this for sympathy. I tell you this because it's part of my history. I have a long standing uh, history of, of brutal horrible abuse as a child, uh, that some of it was sexual, some of it was physical. And I did a lot of work, right. To get through it. And, Mm -hmm. and what I want to say is that if there's an, if there's something, an anchor event in your childhood, that's still affecting you now, then a child is running your life. Yeah. And that was such a big thing for me to learn, to not let my child run my life, but, and not to come from that place, like, oh, this happened to me. And so therefore I do this. I get to choose now. This is part of who I am. This happened because for whatever reason, it is what happened to me when I was a child, I didn't have any control over that thing, but now I can choose how I think about it, how I choose to frame it, what I choose to make it mean, all those things. And that is freedom. Yeah. I heard a a quote one time that I, I tend to go by and it says, if you don't like the way you feel, it's your job to change it. Absolutely. Right. So what are your thoughts that you're thinking that are creating the feeling and how can you think differently? How do you need to reframe reposition? Um, yeah, yeah. All of that. So 
And I, I don't think a lot of us realize how much power our thoughts have. Like you said, we fall into that victim mentality and we yeah. think because it's the thought that popped into our head, it must be true. Yeah. Our thoughts are just our thoughts. And, and the question I always ask women, I, I, I put people through this exercise that where I ask you to write down your thoughts every hour, like what's in your head. And we go through an exercise and then I say, well, you know, who is observing those thoughts? Because, and, and that, that really comes down to identity, right? Who are we? And, and what, what are we? And, you know, spiritual, not spiritual, it's not about that, but, but I, if, if those thoughts are coming through in my head, then what is the entity that's, that's seeing those thoughts? It, and, and that's more me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Who's monitoring it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the thoughts in our head are just that they're like the subconscious programming, the, the, all the, the things that have happened. And what I love about our brain is our brain is software that we can reprogram and we're learning slowly, you know, how to kind of hack into the subconscious brain and what to do. And, you know, it, it really has to do with the fact that, that the way the brain works is, you know, by the age of seven, before the age of seven, we're in, we're in a state of hypnosis really. And while we're learning stuff, we're also learning how the world works. We're learning what beliefs that, that our parents or the people around us have, um, the, from, in my case, like the power that men had. And, um, and I, I was able to re reevaluate like everything when I realized that, oh, that's just a belief. I can change it. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 No, I totally, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And, you know, giving people that gift that they too can have a new thought. Yeah. Um, and that it's possible because obviously all our thoughts eventually are what lead to our outcomes and our behavior. So it starts with the thought, but yeah. Yeah. When you start thinking about thought, you know, I mean, it's such a, it's such a nebulous thing to think about, but everything comes from thought. The iPhone came from a thought, right? Zoom came from a thought. I mean, it, you know, where we are right now, that your podcast came from a thought that you thought about doing a podcast and now here you are doing it. And so Jack Canfield teaches this. Um, I mean, and it isn't just him, but this is where I learned it is like, thoughts are things and they have, they have weight, they have power. And when we are able to change our thoughts, it, that has a profound effect on us. And I'll give you a quick example. At the end of 2018, I was on a cruise ship in, oh God, St. Nevis or one of those Caribbean islands. It was like this small, like cruise yacht thing to bring in the new year. Super exciting, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I would get up in the morning and go do this yoga and whatnot. And I was probably 30, 40 pounds heavier than I am now. Every time I looked in the mirror, I said, I hate you. And it was the end of the year. I was thinking about doing some, some kinds of resolutions, whatever. And I thought, you know, if I say I hate you, how motivating is that to me to want to do something to change this body? That's just shame, right? So I said, every time I look in the mirror, I'm going to say, I love you. I mean, and, and, and I'll tell you that that wasn't easy because I had, you know, years from like age, maybe three 
up until, you know, three years ago when I was, <laughs> when I was 53, I looked in the mirror and, and I, what happened was I stopped obsessing about what my belly looked like. And then I figured out a way to eat and, and just little by little, just that one change led to, you know, even more weight loss. I mean, I'd already lost like 50 pounds and then I was able to drop another like 30 or 40. So yeah. Wow. wow. That's amazing. And that's just from that one, that one thing that, that started it. It was like, I was observing my thoughts. So I was like, well, you know, if I told my dog, I hate you all the time, right? My dog's going to, I mean, dogs are loyal, but still I'm going to feel gross every time my dog comes around. Right. And so I thought, I just started thinking about what that meant, like to tell myself, I hate you. And I was like, I, I can't do this. So if you're somebody who doesn't like looking in the mirror and this is something that happens in menopause, right? I just, I just can't look in the mirror anymore because I don't recognize this body. I'm going to give you a, like a little ex exercise to just go and look in the mirror and say, I accept you. If you just start with that, you don't have to love your body now, but you can accept it. Mm -hmm. Because when you accept where you are, then you can start to take the next step to get to where you want to be. And it's going to give you that impetus to maybe change a little bit to, to start to make a couple of changes, not all at once, but just, I accept you. I love that. Dr. G, I love that. Thank you so much. Um, okay. So I want to circle back one more time and let us know where we can find you and learn more about the menopausal movement. Yeah. You know, I probably have some undoubtedly people that are interested in learning more and working with you. So let us know how we can. Um, yeah. You just, just go to menopausemovement.com. And then on the top, there's a whole bunch of things. There's an option to take a menopause slimming type quiz there. And there's a whole bunch of options up there. You can go to the podcast or uh, you can find out, you know, what the menopause movement's all about and uh, you can find out about me. Awesome. And are you on any um, like Facebook, Instagram? Are you on yeah. any platforms? Face Facebook is at Dr. Michelle Gordon, D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. And I'm exactly the same on Instagram and I'm on Twitter at Michelle E. Gordon and I'm on TikTok, but I think it's Dr. G or Dr. Michelle Gordon or something. I can't remember. I'm on clubhouse, but I don't use it very often. I'm at Dr. G, DRG. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, highly recommend go follow her, go listen to her, go learn all you can from her great wealth of information. Dr. G, we are so thankful and honored that you decided to join us today. We appreciate all of your information. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Um, you know what? Actually, before I let you go, and I'm totally going to put you on the spot here because uh -huh. I did not tell you this ahead of time, okay. but we always conclude our episodes with a recipe. So do you have a fam, uh, a, a quick go-to favorite snack idea, breakfast idea. I won't make you like recite a whole dinner recipe, um, but just something like what is your go-to lunch idea or something that could be helpful for some of the clients out here? Yeah. So I'm a big, big, big fan of protein. I eat a lot of protein. I eat protein. If I'm going to have breakfast, which I don't always have breakfast, I, I often will just have like a coffee with some butter in it or something for breakfast. But if, if I'm going to have breakfast, it'll be egg with steak. Uh, but for lunch, what I love to have is, and this, you guys are going to think it's weird. And sometimes I have a breakfast. I'll, I'll take a whole bunch of chicken that's been roasted and then I'll put it in a little bit of oil with some salt and make it crispy. So it's a little bit like chicken French fries. 
but not deep fried. Okay. But it's pan, you know, pan seared. And then I'll take an avocado and I'll mush that up and I'll put it together. It's huh. chick- chicken and avocado. Sometimes I'll put a little salsa verde in there, but for the most part, it's like chicken and avocado. It's an ugly mess, but it's so delicious. And it's one way to, you know, get your, get your healthy fats and uh, get more protein. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to have to try that because I cannot say that I've done that before. So yeah, no, I, I, I try to push put avocado with a lot of things because it's a good way to get healthy fats and, um, and it, and I love it. I, I think it's delicious, but yeah. So I'll do it with, with, with all sorts of meat, but if you pan fry them, if you, if you, if you pan fry the, the chicken in the, in its juices, it'll crisp up a little bit and it tastes really, really good. Awesome. All right. Well, we will try it and we will let you know what oh, we think. Sounds good. All right. Thanks so all much. All right, Dr. G have a wonderful day guys. We will see you next time. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Take care. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.